So, mate, it's been a while since we've caught up. How is things? <laughs> well, <laughs> life's, uh, as you know, pretty pretty mad with everything that's going on at the minute. I think last time we spoke, when was that, like, January when we did? Was it Jan or Feb or something like that? Yeah, I think it was Yeah, but life was then. good. Life yeah, was, life was great. Life was dandy. It's a bit nippy, like, but, yeah, we were allowed to go out and about, and obviously now we're in the midst of the... Covid pandemic. Still, so, it's just going on forever. Yeah, know, it's like when will it ever end? That's it's mad, isn't it? Because you think if you think back to when we first, well, not when we lasted this, or had we just? I think we'd just gone in because we were talking. I think it must have been early March or something. We'd just gone into. I think we'd just gone into to lockdown. Um. No. Well, no. Well, it was, I mean, maybe it was before. Maybe somebody else was chatting to that was. Yeah, we'd just was, gone into ours, it. Our first one was. Way back, we've done a Our first one because it was, it was it was definitely no it's definitely around February time because I remember leaving here and it was only about four or five and it was pitch black. Yeah, true. So it was it must have been yeah probably yeah. like February time because it's just kind of as we were coming out coming of, out of winter. winter. It's mad, isn't it? Because it's kind of the world has changed so much in such a short period of time, which I guess is kind of what we want to talk about today. Is kind of like what's changed and and how we how are we adapting to what's changed and. I think the big question I kind of want to dig into for the sake of our listeners is, you know, you think you hark back to January, February when we were setting our goals for the year. Now that all this has happened and we're a good three or, you know, almost 12 weeks of lockdown, um, how, you know, has that changed? Have people's goals changed? How we, are we on track? You know, have we, have we had to adjust what we're doing, which obviously we have, and how's that impacted some people? So what's that? What's that done done to you, man? I mean, where were you in, in January? Where were your mind at? And and so obviously we cut to June. We're six months later. So January, I was getting ready for a shoot because I did a shoot end of February. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was eating like a rabbit, <laughs> um, like a very carnivorous, like carnivorous, carnivorous, carnivorous rabbit. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, life's good, you know, working um, at Hammersmith and was very just focused on my um, sort of face-to-face PT, which I'm really, really trying to push on my online stuff now, so I'm getting such great results with my online clients. But yeah, so from there, because my brother then kind of just like explaining my situation a little bit. So I had that shoot end of February middle of March and then obviously I went to Thailand early March for my brother's um, my brother's wedding I got back oh that is it, it was, yeah I went to um, Thailand like March the 5th something like that um, had a shoot a couple of days before that and then I came back on the 17th but just before we went away there was it was only just like light chatter of it like it wasn't really a thing this whole Covid not in England and people were like oh it's just another size it will pass it was nothing it's just another yeah true yeah um and then I came back and I couldn't, I could only buy like one steak at a supermarket. There was no toilet roll. <laughs> and yeah, it just came back into this absolute shitstorm. And it was just like, wow. And still obviously living down those effects now. It's, yeah, it's been crazy. But I think it's also been a very, um, a very prevalent, example of how you need to consistently learn to adapt because life will always throw curveballs 100 and it's like as you know as well as i do your clients will come up to you and will just go oh but i've got this coming up i've got everyone yeah. has a goal but you will never have a 12 16 20 week stretch but you don't have anything on. You're always going to have your stag dues. You're always going to have your weddings, your birthdays, your, yeah, your client business meals, conferences, your, trips, your, your yeah. Sunday barbecues. Yeah, yeah. Like they're always going to come up. Um, and the odd, and the odd global pandemic. Just, <laughs> yeah, just the odd, the yeah, genuinely. Yeah, and it's um, it's a case of that. It's, I think it's been such an excellent time for people to learn a lot more about themselves as well. Because it is that everyone needs to become a lot more adaptable. Everyone has had to become a lot more adaptable. Yeah. And you also, I think, and the thing I found because I'm, I live alone. I 
you know, you don't go out and see people that much. You talk to people, sure, virtually, but you spend a lot more time thinking on your own. Well, I certainly have over the last few months, <coughs> and you've got a lot more time to to dwell on shit. That you either you can take that in two ways, and I've seen people kind of lose it slightly um, and get overly stressed by the whole situation. And I think the couple of things that have held me true to form is is what you just said a minute ago. One is one is the fact that. And it's Murphy's law, really, isn't it? That if something's going to go wrong, it will. Mm. You know, if something, you know, life is constantly throwing obstacles at us. Um, and you, you're 100 percent right. And I've said the same thing to clients myself: is you know, you'll never have 12 weeks clear. Something's always going to come up, and it's how you handle it. And I think that's the second point that I've learned. And I think one of the things I'm now I say quite a lot to people is when you when you can't control or know that you can't control what goes on around you but you can control how you react to it or respond to it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me that I've had to learn to do, as you say, with the adaptability is going, okay, I can't, as an example, I can't train at a gym anymore. You know, so what do I do? Do I stop training? No, hell no. I've got goals. Spend 900 pounds for a pair of... Go and spend 1,000 pounds on a 20 kilo dumbbell set. Yeah, yeah. I know, not going to happen. But, you know, but... It's it is an interesting situation. I think and it's something I will I say to people a lot. And I think if there's one thing the listeners can get out of out of our conversation today is those two things: is that life is always going to throw shit at us, um, and it's not about looking at that as a negative thing and going, "Oh, woe is me! The stuff always goes wrong." You've got to look at it going. It's just life. It's what's going to happen, and you can't control it. You can't see what's coming around the corner. You can try to be prepared for it and try to be ready for it. Um, and you know, people, you know, you're not going to get, you know, you jokingly say, oh yeah, I'm not going to die unless I get hit by a bus tomorrow. Well, you only get hit by a bus if you walk out on the road and do something that you shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, unless it's not a chance that the bus has gone wayward, but you know, let's not go there. Um, but you know, what I'm trying to say is that yes, there are certain things you can control, right? So in that example, you, if you stay on the sidewalk and you watch where you're going and you cross it across the street at a set of traffic lights, you know, on a pedestrian crossing, in theory, you're doing everything you possibly can to protect yourself from being hit by a bus. So from that point of view, you can control it. What you can't control, though, is if a bus that is coming along suddenly lost its brake lines or the driver's fallen asleep or it's being driven by a madman, you know, you can't control that. All you can control is how you respond and react to it. Yeah, and I guess you always have to kind of be wary and expect the unexpected yeah. because that is it. And I mean, I, I, and I'm... Um, you know, I try to think of myself as a pretty optimistic and positive Aussie and kind of always look at the bright side of life and all kind of shit. But I think I've also learned in my old age that it's, I'm also very pragmatic and realist. Um, mm. So I'm not being negative when I say I'm preparing for the worst. And I think pe- people look at that comment saying, oh, I'm preparing for the worst. They look at that as a negative thing. I don't think it is. I think it's preparation. And it's not so much preparing for the worst. It's just being ready. You know, it's not being ready, but yeah, it's being yourself. ready. But then it's, it's also... Like, it's like taking... It's like it's like taking a vaccine or taking a or going getting a flu jab. You're not being, then, you're not ex, you're not saying I'm going to get flu, therefore I don't need to go get the jab. It's just protecting yourself. It's not it's being yeah. It's not being negative, but it's being is being real because yeah. and that is one thing you have to. You can't live your life expecting the best to happen all the time because no. that's when you just end up getting yeah, robbed or you get it. Really, someone just takes advantage of you. And, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people, you know, and there's and there's so much of it in this day and age as well with this with positive attitudes and, and positive affirmations and all this kind of stuff. And people think it, it, it's this magic armor that they can put on themselves mm-hmm. to protect themselves from everything going wrong. It's not. Let's be real about this. You can, be, you can have the most positive attitude in the world. That's not going to get you stopped by, st- struck by lightning. If that's, well, what, got, that's what's going to happen. All I've got going through my head is that meme of life where he's on the cross. He's like, <laughs> oh, where's the con? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, you get some people who are coming now to a cross and they're still just living their best life. Well, exactly. And that's exactly what I mean by about the fact that you can't control being held to the cross. Bad example. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can control how you react to it and how you yeah. respond to that. And I think that's where the positive attitude comes in is looking at, and it's that silver lining thing or, the, you know, people see the glasses half full and all that kind of malarkey. But, you know, even, even that example, I, I, know, I no longer look at that as the glass half full kind of thing. I look at the fact that the glass is always full. It's just whether it's full of water or full of air. It's still full. It's how you handle it. You See, know? I'm very, yeah, I'm, I'm very much, because I remember when I, was, when I was younger, when I was a kid, 
I was very aggressive. I was always like everything because I was I had such a chip on my shoulder. So I was I was always like really really small and I had glasses. I was always just like a foot smaller than all the other kids. I was really really sort of like just weedy, and so kids would always just like try and take the mick. So I always had this thing in my head that everyone that was kind of taking the mick like was doing it out of there wasn't like banter they were just being like cruel yeah so I always that's how I always addressed everything was always just like an attack so I always like made an attack with an attack and it meant like and then I remember when I started boxing I kind of become a lot more self confident and obviously then getting to like the sort of 18, 19 and I'm getting, like, getting better body shape as well like remember so started people making comments and then my, I think, yeah, because I had such a low self-esteem when I was a kid and getting older and training, getting in shape, becoming and feeling more confident in myself and I could handle myself everything like came on, which still doesn't really matter nowadays if someone pulls a knife or whatever you, but it's that self-confidence led me to now change and go literally full circle to the point now I'm so relaxed. In my girlfriend's age, she's like, how, like, <laughs> things will be kicking, like, going off and she'll be, like, getting so stressed about everything and I was just sitting there like, yeah. And she's like, oh, because I'm the same. It's like, I don't see the point in getting stressed at things that I can't control. No. Because then essentially you're a victim to any stimulus oh. that happens. And you'll you you walk control. around looking over your shoulder all the time and you just won't enjoy life. You know, you'll yeah. be so stressed out and worried about all this. You know, and you're right. That's the extreme. That's the other end of the extreme. It's going, getting so worried and so protective of yourself that you won't enjoy yourself. You won't put yourself, you won't put yourself into a level of discomfort or you won't try risks or you won't try something new you know and that's the other end that's the other extreme it's funny that balance and I think what you were just saying then and I think using boxing as an analogy because obviously that's with your your heart and soul as a boxer you don't just learn to attack you also learn to defend mm. and I think that's the thing with life it's about learning to be not just be offensive but having defense as well um, and that's the protection thing and, and just being wary and being prepared for stuff coming at you you know and as a boxer you have no idea what your opponent's going to do you know you might have a, you might spend a lot of time looking at their fights previously and seeing how they what their skill set's like and, and trying to work out what they're going to do but on the day because they're, they're reacting to you as well anything can happen anything can happen and that's the thing is you might have the, the most bulletproof game plan I remember doing this when I fought for the national title the first time I thought it was called John Hefford. And I looked at him and all his fights, he'd basically just been in the pocket with um, opponents. He, he was he'd, he was always fought at super middleweight, so a weight above what we fought at. And he'd always been in the pocket with these guys. And then so I thought he was going to like just sit in the pocket with me. And I love that. Yeah. Like, if, you have, if, like, if we were to fight in a phone booth, love it. Like <laughs> just sit and just slug it out. I, yeah. like, I love inside fighting. And... Um, and we turn up on the day and he was just on his back foot, just switching, moving, moving. And I was just like, well, like, I had this whole bulletproof game plan. And we did like, quite everything. I, I'd probably, I spent hours, hours researching all of his fight, looking into it. Yeah. And so then it came down to it on the day and it was just completely different. It's like, do everything out the window. So from then on, I've, I've, I've like watched, I watch like opponents fights just to see what, themes run through each fight like what punches they like to throw how they like to move but then I won't do what I did with that where I'll just study it and like yeah. research it because when like you say when it comes down to anything can happen and, and also and obviously if you if you flip it they've, they've obviously got to then react to how you box yeah yeah you know so you're not going to box like their previous opponent you're going to box like you box and therefore they're going to react differently rather than how they react to the previous guy and life's exactly the same you know you might and this comes to that whole thing about kind of um learning lessons and stuff is that you know you go through something and it might it probably it, it's unlikely that's the only time you'll ever go through it it's mm. probably going to happen again but the difference the next time it happens is you can be more prepared for it you've learned and you've and you'll change tactic and you'll have a backup plan or a contingency um or i used someone used a great term the other day that i was reading they call it the um a, a reverse clause <laughs> you know, and, and what that, what, he's, what they're saying is though it's knowing how far if you go down a pathway and you realise you've gone the, the wrong way or something's gone wrong you can come back to a certain level where you can and redirect so it's that reverse clause it's, it's backing up it's like a, it's like a contingency or backup plan yeah. where you go okay it's like and I think the analogy they use is, is you know you, you do your, you're doing some work on your PC and it shuts down and you haven't oh. saved it 
the amount of people, oh. myself included, at uni, in, in, halfway through your dissertation, like, yeah, yeah. and just, just everything moves, and you're just like, oh, oh fuck. So you learn, but you learn from that going, okay, so the backup plan is you can go, you know how far back you've gone, or you'll know roughly where you're at when it shut down. So you don't have to start again necessarily. You can kind of just start from there. But you also know from that onwards, you either turn on the auto save or you just make sure you fucking save every 10 minutes or so, or half an hour or so, depending on what you're doing. So, but you've learned from it. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you'll go through, we'll go through shit in our lives. It won't be the last time you go through shit. Yeah, it's very true. And that's, and that's the thing is you always say with, um, with kind of athletes and all this sort of stuff is always fear the experienced athlete, especially in box. That's why people like journeymen in, in England, they're so dangerous. 90% of journeymen could probably win every single fight they have because yeah. they're so experienced in being around the block. Like you actually think about how many fights these guys have. These guys will fight, some of them, a couple of fights on a weekend against up and coming professionals and they won't take a level, they will not take a punch. Exactly. And they will just sit there, they sympathize. And that's the thing, it's because experience shows you how to react to certain yeah. things and also how to anticipate when negative, not negative, but how to anticipate certain situations yeah. before they actually um, come. 100%. I mean, and you can pull that all the way back to just day-to-day life and kind of go, right, you know, if you, if you, if you commute to and from home, from home to the office, as an example, and you always go the same route, which most people will do. It'll be the same, they'll get up at the same time of day, they'll get on the same train, yada, yada, yada. But all of a sudden, there's a train strike or, you know, there's leaves on the line or something, or there's a disruption. And, you know, and, and the, the amount of people that stress out and panic over that, and the reason that is is because they haven't worked out a contingency. Yeah. They don't know an alternative route or they don't know another way of doing it. So it's just being prepared about it. And I think, you know, again, using that example, you kind of think, okay, well, fine. If I normally go down, if I'm driving somewhere and I'd follow that route... Do I know that if that route is blocked or something happens, is there another way to get there? And me personally, yes, I do, because I always have that backup plan. It's called Google Maps. But, you know, it's it's having that ability of going, rather than panicking and stressing out about it, like, okay, is there another way of doing it? Can I do this another way that's going to get me there quicker or that's faster? That's the thing. Or, or having a living? plan B is yeah. such an excellent avenue for just positive mental health. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the situation we're in right now, no, no one's got a plan yeah. B for a fucking pandemic. Not even that. You might have a plan <laughs> B, but you probably can't even put it into place. No. It might be like, okay, I'm going to go sit on a boat somewhere. Like, well, yeah, all of a sudden you have to go down to plan Z yeah. because it's the, it's the final straw. But, but then, again, again, it should be the final one because it should, going, there's always a way around it. But right? then going back to what you were saying then, is if this happened again, at least we, like people's home gyms are all stocked back up again and <laughs> things like that. Exactly. Like, the funniest thing actually talking of that was my friend um, who I used to live with um, called me the other day. He's like, oh, "Have you got any uh, dumbbells?" He had loads of dumbbells in the, in um, in the garden. Yeah. And I left a few bits um, in there as well, and he threw them all away. He was like, "I hate clutter," even though they're in a garden uh-huh. box. Yeah. And then now, like about here, like, obviously, shit, a few months it. later, he called me and he's like, "Oh, have you got any of them?" Oh no. It's funny, isn't it? You know, you have all these people who hoard stuff in their house. They're they're all laughing now because they've got everything they need because um, they haven't thrown anything out. It's just weird. I think. I think you're right. I think this whole situation at the moment has. You can take it two ways. You can panic and stress about it, which I think a lot of people did at the beginning. Um, and now that we're kind of almost three months in, it's become it's become the new normal to a certain extent. We know that it's not going to be forever, um, but you've had to, we've had to adapt to it. And that adaptability in all parts of life is massively important. And if you're not flexible enough or you don't think ahead a little bit, you're going to end up stressing yourself out. And I think... Or panicking and kind of... And, and not knowing what to do. Look at... I think it's that adaptability, which has been, again, like I said, it's been so prevalent nowadays, especially with people like working from home. So it's actually going to be very interesting to see what the new norm is when we go back to yep. our old, like, quote-unquote norm. Yep. With things like how this is going to affect the... The like traditional structure of companies because yep. oh, everyone knows about flexi work now, yeah. so people are going to be like, yeah, I don't, I need, don't to need to be in the office exactly. all the time. And you think about how many th- hundreds of thousands of pounds lots of companies yeah. spend on, on rent, on rent up space. in central London. Yeah. 
I agree. I 100%. I, mean, I think one of the industries I'd hate to be in as we come out of this is commercial property oh. because I think it's going to die. You're 100% right. I think people have now realized, and, I, and not, this doesn't go for all industries, but I think anything that's office based, you know, yes, we all need from time to time meetings and face to face, and we're human, and as human beings, we're social creatures. We need that contact and connection with people, but it's not essential. Yeah. And I think you're 100% right. I think we're going to go into a very different world. Where we're going to come out of this whole thing in a very different situation. I mean, I've had so many pet friends, again, bring it back to home about, I've had so many people say, I'm never going to go back to a gym. I don't need to. Mm. I'm, I'm more than happy with the kit that I've got at home. I now know how to exercise properly at home. I'm motivated enough to do so. There are so many hundreds of thousands of free workouts out there at the moment where people are giving away stuff on YouTube and Instagram and wherever that you can use a bloody... You know, a saucepan and a and a and a and a I don't know, <laughs> you know, a, the, the 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 family pet, you know, to to do some resistance training. But so I think there's going to be so many changes to how we operate on a day to day basis, not just in a, in even in in first world countries, but all around the world. It's going to be very different. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you think about again. You think about that. We were talking about it before about the silver linings of all the negative situations. From you know, look at the environment, and you think of the the lack of pollution. Because people aren't traveling on a day-to-day basis anymore, it's phenomenal what it's done to the planet and what it's doing yeah. to the planet and how it's slowed things down. So, if we come out of this with anything that we've learned in a positive sense, that's going to be a few of those things. Is like, right, we don't need to go to an office necessarily. We don't have to commute to and from work. We don't have to drive everywhere. We can survive walking. We can survive riding a bike. We don't have to necessarily go to a gym if we don't if we're not you know an absolute diehard and with certain goals. You know, it's it's. Things have changed, you know, and going back to our original question, going from where we were in January to where we are now, you know, I think it's not a matter of, of stopping where you wanted to go or stopping your goals and putting them aside and going, right, that's never going to happen. You know, I've still got a goal to compete on stage in, in September. Well, I'm working towards that. If and when that happens, I'll be ready for it. If it doesn't happen because we still can't travel, so be it. Then I'll get ready for the next one. Um, but I haven't, what I didn't do is turn around and go, okay, it's never going to happen and stop it and stop training. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people, some people did, um, and people got a little bit stressed about it and, and still are and kind of going, right, I've got too much going on in my life and this, too, this is, this is throwing me out of whack completely that I'm going to give up on all my goals. This is one thing that I say to all of my clients, when this all starts kicking off and it's a one thing that everyone should always try and keep is a few essentials within a routine. So even when you're on holiday, even when you're anyway, just 100%. just trying yeah. to keep a few just consistent aspects in your, within your life that is like a consistent routine. Yep. Whether that be sort of waking bedtimes and some meal time, anything like that, just try and keep something like gap in the morning, you go for a walk, have a yeah. coffee. But even, like, even, 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 even silly little things like, okay, you don't commute to an office anymore, but get ready for work. Yeah. Get dressed for work. Yeah. You know, how many people, and I did it myself, I started, I just wandering around in pyjamas and things going, no, this isn't right because I just got slack and was procrastinating and not, because I was thinking, oh, I'm home, I've got plenty of time up my sleeve, I don't need to worry about it. But then all of a sudden things caught up with me. I then got to the point, probably a good three or four weeks into the, into the shutdown, I went, no, sod this, I've got to get up, I've got to do exactly what I would normally do and I'm going to dress for work and put it in that mindset. That's the thing because I think the issue is, is... Routine holds such a powerful effect over productivity, and I also think productivity, as a result, also holds a huge aspect to positivity within yep. your mind. Yeah. Because as soon as your routine goes out of whack, your productivity goes out of whack. Like you say, you end up just bimbling around in your bloody pants, yeah. sitting there just with like cups of tea, watching Ozarks. <laughs> and then yep. you, you think, and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, you go, oh crap, I was going to do this, I was going to do that. And then you end up, don't you? Like, oh, well, I'll do it after, I'll have a shower. And then again, you go and fiddle around. And before you know it, the day's gone and you end up sitting there stressing out that you've not done half of the things you had planned. Yeah. And that's the thing. So as soon as your routine goes, um, your training regimen goes, your nutrition goes, because yep. like I say, you end up sitting there picking fluff out of your belly button and just eating popcorn. <laughs> eating and yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like those few little, like it's like domino effect, isn't it? Yeah. And so you just want to try and maintain your few stable structures 
Because uh, other people, you, if you so. then you lack of productivity, you then start stressing out because you're not doing things, you haven't done stuff, you, you get behind on tasks, you get behind on projects, um, and you start panicking and you get stressed. So it just adds to that stress that you don't need. And that's why I am a huge fan of lists. Yeah. Like to do list, I just think is incredible because, like you say, even if you are faffing around a little bit, you can still look at a list and go, "Oh, actually, right, I need to do this, this, and this today." Yeah. And it just gives you a little focus for the day, rather than if you don't have anything written down or you don't have any sort of plans for any day. Yes. It is too easy to sit there and get just swallowed up by Netflix or swallowed or, up by or social YouTube media or, or yeah exactly and, and, yeah. Yeah. and I think we've all done it I think, and this is again one of the lessons that can come out of this is that you know because of the, the prevalence of social media and, and everything is so instant now you can just get sucked into it and just lose hours and hours yeah. and hours just scrolling through stuff and going down rabbit holes and you know and all of a sudden you, you start off trying to research something for work and all of a sudden you're starting looking at I don't know holiday destinations or yeah. you know things that aren't attainable at the moment and, and that wishful thinking side of stuff um, so I guess you know from your point of view then where you are from your own training and, and business and all that kind of stuff how how far off track or are you still on track where are you at from a goal perspective and have they changed are they going to change have you readjusted anything so obviously I was saying so I had that shoot and I'm now moved into a position where I'm trying to actually put a bit of size on um, because I've spent the last 10 to 12 years in a diet because I've been boxing. Yeah. And so I'm genuinely, I bump my calories in now up at, actually I need to up them again. They were 2,900, I'm going to up them to 3,000. And it's really funny because we had a conversation, was it last year? And I was like, I've never just constantly gone out of my way to eat more to put weight on yeah. I've never done that like so it's so bizarre to me so I've got these habits these fat loss habits and these like um, calorie like swap habits that yeah. I just keep putting like and I'm trying like almost break off those habits because it's funny because I, I try, try I'm trying to lose weight so I almost think as well because I'm like oh man, I'm eating a lot and so, like, last couple of days, I don't track. And I just weigh myself in the morning. My weight goes down. But I'm like, I swear, I'm eating loads. <laughs> and I'm like, in my, and I'm genuinely, like, even now thinking about it, I'm like, I've got to be eating more than, like, 2,900. I was like, I'm sure that I've been going over. But clearly not, because my weight, weight is going down. I'm not overly active. But no, so on that, anyway, I'm, I'm not diverging. But on that, yeah, I'm still keeping my strength chain. I'm quite... As I say, lucky. I've got a few bits at home, which is enough to just smash up my my body enough. Yeah. Um, and I'm and I'm training for fun now as well. I'm not training for quote unquote fat loss or calorie burn or nope. any of this. So when I'm actually doing things, I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Yeah. And I'm doing it for fun. And actually, I'd say my goals have changed a little bit quite like in the last day or two because I was thinking it's like. So well and good doing this say quote unquote bulk. I'm like, see if I'm not if I'm honest, it gets a little bit boring just doing the same sort of like yeah. four upper lower splits sort of thing. I'm like I say, I'm not from a bodybuilding background. Yeah. And so yeah, I've changed that now and I'm just kind of I'm just training because I'm quite happy with my size actually. Yeah. I'm not scrawny <laughs> by any stretch. No. Like I'm I'm in good shape. So I'm just training, eating now to like I say to be happy for my mindset because again I don't want to get wedge I'm never going to like compete that's not my, my goals I like yeah. to stay athletic yeah um, but then talking about that then so from when we were speaking last because you were bulking before weren't you yep how things changed and how has your training changed from obviously being at the gyms yep. to now working out so obviously yeah. pure physique development yeah. doing that from your living room how's that it's, it's, but look, I'll be honest it has been a challenge both mentally and physically um, so from a diet and nutrition point of view I finished the bulk probably about six weeks ago um, picked up a new coach and we agreed on plans and structure and things and now I'm, I'm now I've now officially started a cut probably about two, two, three, two or three weeks ago so the calories have dropped um, which is fine. I'm not noticing. I'm not getting hungry or anything like that. But at least I also know I have a goal and I know it's coming. Having done the prep for the shoot last year, you know that puts me in a place now that I know what know what to expect. So if nothing's going to be surprising or difficult, 
Yeah. Um, so nutrition-wise, that's that's been relatively simple. Um, and I guess lack of access to food has helped with that a little bit because I've only gone and bought what I needed to get. Um, obviously, what was limited in the in the supermarkets for a time for a while as well. Um, so that been that, that that's been relatively simple. And I'm I am now officially cutting, so I'm trying to drop weight um, or let get leaner, not necessarily drop weight. Um, but I'm definitely trying to get leaner, and that seems to be working, which is good. Um, I'm 12 weeks out in theory from when the comp is scheduled to happen. Training wise has been the biggest challenge. Um, you know, when I was bulking, obviously I was trying to put on as much size as I possibly could. Therefore, lifting heavier weights is the way to do it, and and to and to bulk up. So to then to be have that removed for the past few months and just be living on elastic bands, um, <laughs> 20 kilograms of dumbbells, and a suspension training system. It's made me rethink my own training, and obviously working with the coach gave him a bit of a challenge to say, right, put a program together for me to keep me to keep me bulking and keep me growing. But I've learned a lot from it, and I think I'm pleased that I've maintained size. Um, and if anything, over the past couple of weeks, even since cutting down, the weight hasn't dropped, but I'm getting leaner, which means I'm dropping body fat. My waist size has come down. Um, so I've, obviously over the bulk, you do put on a bit of fat, which is normal. Um, but I'm, I think, I, I think without a gym, I'm surprised at how consistent it's been. Um, you know, there are some things I get, I get very frustrated with, like doing leg training with minimal kit is almost, is nigh on impossible because I've got very strong legs. Mm. Um, so to get them to get any, any sense of pump or, or, or sense of that I've done any exercise on is incredibly difficult. You know, I'm literally running up and down my stairs here with, with dumbbells in my hands to try to get my thighs to burn. Um, and it just doesn't work. You know? So on that then, what would what advice would you give to someone? So or to the listeners, what advice would you give to them for their training at home? If they might be a little bit lost or they're following some of these little yep. Instagram groupies who are just like, do you know to just body weight squat? <laughs> like, what would you say to people to well, maximise their training at well, home? Well, there's two, there's two things I think you've got to do. A, you've got to reassess your goals and think, okay, what am I trying to achieve? And just remember what you're trying to achieve and stick to it. Go, okay, if I'm trying to do, and there's obviously this difference between what I'm doing and what other people do. Most people are trying to get fit because they're trying to lose a bit of weight. I'm cutting for a reason. Um, or people might be trying to bulk or, or put some size on. So you've got to reassess what you're trying to do. Um, the trick with any resistance training or any training you're doing when you're trying to improve or to progress is progressive overload. Um, and the normal way of doing progressive overload is to increase weight. It's the simplest way to do it. You go to the gym, you put on two, you know, five extra kilograms on the dumbbell or the barbell and off you go and keep going. And that's going to help you improve. When that option isn't there, you've got to think of the other ways of doing it. So my advice to people is to look at what their training program is and go, okay, if you're limited with the amount of kit you've got or weight that's got available to you or resistance you've got available to you, you've got to increase, you've got to get progressive overload in different ways. And there's four other ways to do it other than just increasing weight. One of them is um, increasing volume. So that's adding sets or adding reps to a set. So if you're normally working out at 10 to 12 reps per set, go to 15 to 20, you know, or, and then add a set. So if you're normally doing four sets, go to five sets. So adding that volume is one way of getting progressive overload. The next way of doing it is to increase time under tension. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is the most, where your muscles do the most damage is the wrong word, but when they're getting the most effective you're, of you're doing weight training, it's actually on, on, on the eccentric move, not the concentric move. So the lowering of the, of the weight, not the lifting of the weight. Um, so slow that down. So you're putting the muscle under tension for a longer, physically a longer time period. Um, and you'll see people on training programs, they'll have tempos and things where it'll be a one second contraction or lift, and then it's a three or four second you know, um, easing or, or lowering of the weight. And that's where the work's going to happen. So one, increase volume. Two, um, increase time under tension. The third one is increase frequency. So if you're normally, if you're the old fashioned bro split of chest one day, back another day, you know, arms another day, shoulder another day, stuff that, start working your chest twice a week or three times a week. Start working your back two or three times a week. Start working your arms two or three times a week. And that's going to give you progressive overload as well. Because again, if you're limited with weight, that's the way to get it. Um, and the fourth and final one is rest period. So again, if you're used to doing a, a 90 second rest between your sets, 
drop that down to 60 seconds, drop it down to 30 seconds. You're going to be working your muscles harder and longer. They're going to be more fatigued. Therefore, they're going to have to work harder to move the weight. And that's, again, how you can get progressive overload. So my, my advice to people is don't be restricted in your head the fact that you haven't got weights at home or you haven't got enough weight at home or enough anything to use as resistance. There are four other ways to get progressive overload. And, and incorporate those into your programs and that's going to make a world of difference so what we do is just put that into like a practical application so if you have nothing but your body weight at home <clears throat> yep and you want to um, progressively over it so let's we'll take a press up so yep. you would take a normal press up you just go but but yep. you can then make that harder obviously changing your hand layouts but yep. if you want to just perfectly stimulate the muscle in the same manner, the same movement or whatever, yep. you slow that press up down. Yes. So rather than just going second down, second up, just popping away, yep. you slow yeah, that, you slow pop, right the down. eccentric movement all the way down. So and you can also then, to even the to the point you can then do isolated, you can isolate holds as well, just yeah. iso hold. So you get down that lower position where your chest is just off the floor and you hold it. It's like that song, that swings early up, swings early, have you ever yeah. done that? The press up version of that. And that's yeah. the same thing, so you're really starting that moving down because if you're doing a press up and you're going as on that um, essential move down to the to your chest down to the floor if you're just dropping into that and that's taking yep. you a second yep. if you then slow that down to three four seconds that's three or four times of work that Correct. muscle is therefore doing and I think also what it makes you do that I've certainly found it myself when I do it is you concentrate on that muscle specifically even more because yeah. again if you're just banging them out one on one on one on one more often than not, you're probably incorporating your triceps, your front deltoids. You're using a lot of other muscles to do it quickly mm. to keep your body um, stable, stable. Um, and just pushing them out real quick. So you're utilizing all these other muscles. If you slow it right down and you really concentrate on the muscle that's working, on the working muscle, and you know mentally just imagine what it's doing, that will make you that you get that mind muscle connection happening even more so when you're doing it slowly, um, and, and and particularly again with an isometric hold. You can feel the muscle burn doing its work, and you and you can concentrate. Then, when you're doing an isometric hold, you can really focus on the muscle that's doing the work and try to maximise its use rather than the supporting muscles around it. So, an example of a, of a, of a um, press up, you can literally mentally switch off the tricep and the deltoids, and just get the chest to do the work and get the pecs to do the work, and really think about that motion and that movement. Yeah, so slow it right down. A lot of people try to rush their workouts because they don't enjoy it. So they try to push through real quick, slow it down, and then just do more of it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, it's one thing you see, especially in gyms and that, is rushing just when you're doing an exercise, just trying to go from A to B, just really trying to quick, do that just trying to get in and out. It's just not the Actually, way to do it. Yeah, if you, if you really want to maximize your training, really want to make the most of it, Actually think about the movement that you're doing. Think about the muscles that you're trying to stimulate and trying to work. And then really yep. consciously think about actually stimulating that muscle. So when you're doing a bench press, really yeah. think about that hitting that chest hitting that and pick. burning. Because exactly right. what you'll find is most people will go through... Just bang them out. Yeah, and go through. And you probably won't even really feel your chest no, working. Because they're using all these other muscles. Because, and particularly if they're being a bit egotistical and throwing a lot of weight on the bar... You've got you, all of a sudden if they're trying to bang out ten reps quickly, all these other muscles are coming to play to do it. Yeah, your, your triceps are getting in, your shoulders are getting involved, and you're not hitting the chest. So slow it down, slow it right, down. and and take the ego out slightly, take the weight off. Obviously, different when you're using body weight, um, but you know, slow it right down. And I and I you know and go back to basics. You know, a lot of again. Without the equipment that you can find in a gym, a lot of those isolated moves you can't do at home. So go back to basics, your big moves, your squats, your body weight squats, your press ups, pull ups if you can do them, um, bicep curls using anything you can get your hands on from weight, tricep dips, um, um, lunges, all that kind of stuff, and just slow them down. Yeah. You know, one thing I found when I was doing, when I was training for my shoot, I used to be one of those guys who used to go to the gym and I think, right, I'll do a body part. So chest day might have been eight different exercises. You try to hit it from all different angles. You do flies, you do presses, you'll do single-handed stuff, you'll do multi-handed stuff, you'll use dumbbells, you use barbells, you use machines, and you, I try to do as many exercises as possible in that 45 minutes to an hour. I moved away from that massively to what I'd be probably doing three or four exercises, and that's it. Yeah. Lots of volume, 
concentrating on the on the form of that one particular compound lift or that ma- on that main lift, and just get back to basics. No, we and said stri- earlier. And, try to, and try to stop trying to complicate it. Slow, like we said earlier. Yeah. Experience. Yeah, experience. <laughs> you learn. Yeah, you know. And I and I and I made a huge difference doing that, um, and having that that mind muscle connection by slowing it down and thinking about what the muscle's doing and thinking about what it's there to do, and that's what a lot of people forget about as well. You know, it's things like the bicep, right? Um, people forget what the bicep actually does. And when they and when they lift, you watch these guys swinging a dumbbell around when they're doing bicep curls, and the elbows coming right forward, and they're and they're incorporating their, their shoulder into the movement, and incorporating momentum and and um, kinetics, and, you, and and utilizing gravity and all this kind of stuff without even realizing it. But their bicep isn't actually doing any work. But if you slow it right down and just concentrate on what the bicep's meant to do, and where the insertion point is, and the origin point is, and getting those two points closer together, the, the change is amazing. Um, and it works with any muscle group. You can do it with all, even the even the big, you know, complex muscles like a quadricep. It's got four muscles involved. Essentially, it's there to do one thing. That whole group. If you just coach, focus on that one thing, it'll make a big difference. So that's the thing, I guess. It is for people, especially who are looking to build their bodies and and put put some size on. It's definitely look at. A bit of biomechanics. Yeah, so totally. when you do want to go and train, actually think about how your muscle is structured yep. and then what best way you can stimulate that muscle and the most effective movement patterns for yeah. that as well. And everyone's different as well. This is what people, a lot of people forget as well. Everyone's, everyone is genetically made differently. So take the example of a dumbbell lateral raise for your shoulders. If you follow bro science and watch how all the big bodybuilders do it. It's just a movement straight out to the side and they swing it out to the side and bring it back down again, potentially more than likely with a, with a bent elbow. Now, that might work for them because they're a stronger person and they're throwing a lot of weight around and that has worked to them for, and they can do that with a bit of a heavier weight. But as a, as a novice lifter, that is not going to use your side deltoid. It's going to use your, your trapezius are going to get involved, um, your biceps are going to get involved, your forearms are going to get involved. Whereas if you slow it down, and think about the direction that your muscles run in. You know, as an example, when I now do side, when I do side raises, I'm not out to the side at all. I'm almost out to the front, and I'm also twisting my arm. I'm rotating the, the arm a little bit so that the delt, that part, of that medial delt, the side delt, is on top of the on top of my body. Mm. So it's doing all the work, and it's a real slow movement. I'm throwing my hands out as far as I possibly can away from my body, so the leverage point is quite high. I'm putting a lot of stress on that muscle. And I've gone from using 16 kilogram dumbbells to struggling with sixes and eights. Well, that's the thing as well. It's, it's when you look at, like you're saying there, where you get the sort of, you go into a gym, you see that, the big buff geezers and grunting throwing big weights around. Yep. And yeah, the, the technique might be pretty tragic. But they are still big and that's because they've been doing that same repetitive motion for, for a long years. time. Exactly. So, if they would have actually had good technique, they could be worlds ahead of where yeah. they actually are. Yep. Yeah, 100% right. And look, it goes for, it's the same thing for anyone trying to lose weight or trying to work out at home. You know, we're not all trying to be bodybuilders by any means, but, you know, weight loss is the same situation. It's about, you know, a lot of exercise, a lot of movement, a lot of calorie burn, and there's ways of doing it. We have always talk about neat exercise, right, or neat activity. And I think, you know, as, as sedentary office workers, potentially, we're, we're sitting at a desk and it's no different at home. In fact, it's, it's even worse at home because you're, not, you're no longer commuting. You're probably not going out to go and buy lunch. You're not walking up and down an office or running yeah. the office, you, you know, in a confined space. So you've got to adapt to that. You've got to then find other ways of making sure you're moving more regularly um, and moving um, more regularly and more quickly, uh, sort of more often rather than sitting down doing nothing. So yeah, it works. It works not just for bodybuilding and and weightlifting, but for um, you know when you're trying to lose some weight as well, you've got to. You've yeah, of course. Adapt. I think is when you're in that position, you need to be a lot more focused on effective muscle stimulation as well. Yep. Because the thing is, the simple fact of the matter is, you're not going to have as much energy when you're in a when you're in a deficit. No. You're not going to have as much energy, so you Hell need no. to make sure that your training is as effective as possible and, otherwise and, and, and efficient it's all about yeah. efficiency and you're right when you're, when you're a strict you're really down if you're doing it you know, if you're serious about your weight loss and you're, and you're on a massive calorie deficit you know you've got to 
you've got to be more efficient with it. And, and, and doing 45 minutes on a treadmill is not actually, it sounds like it's going to be efficient. It's not. Yeah. It's actually going to be worse for you because you, your body's in stress. You, your body will, will react by going into kind of defense, me- defense mode. Um, and rather than burning fat, it'll start storing it because it needs the energy. This is actually something, let's go into this actually, let's unpick this because this is a huge aspect of fat loss that people don't really understand. Now don't get me wrong, by the law of thermodynamics, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're not necessarily going to, well you can't store fat, that's like, it's physiologically impossible, but at the same time, you're not going to burn fat in as efficiently as you would if you weren't doing things and you weren't living such a stressful well you weren't putting your body into such a stressful environment which is essentially what you're doing because all these things like training is a stress on your body Um, carry deficit is a stress on your body Um, your boss shouting in your ear is a stress (laughs) on your body like all these things are stresses but the thing is yeah (laughs) your your body needs stress because again just like everything it adapts to that stress it overcomes and then it, it grows from that, that, that adaptability. Yep. Um, and that's the thing is with, with training, you get those physiological adaptations yep. that after a bit of rest will, will come. But this is one of those things, if you're just putting your body into this absolute horrific, but, stressful environment, yep. you, get, not, you get the worst, of, you, get, you, get, you get the opposite effect. Yeah, yeah. You, you slow everything down almost. Yeah, because... And if we're talking scientifically and, and, and physiologically, you've got this lovely substance called cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Mm. You know, the body, the, you know, we, we're, we're, we're designed to, uh, the, 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 it's called the fight or flight mechanism. Um, and when you are under stress and you think back to caveman days when you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, you're under stress. And what cortisol does that it releases adrenaline. So you can get away from it, you can run faster and, and you've got the energy to move. Now, put that into a situation where you're not having to run away from something, but you're trying to burn calories. And this is what a lot of people think from a, from a calorie deficit point of view. They think, oh, I'll just eat a lot less and even less than the deficit should be. Um, and what the body does then, it, go, it goes into panic mode. So it goes into fight or flight mode. It starts releasing cortisol and you don't put on fat, or store, but you don't burn it either. The body starts to, because the body thinks, shit, I've not got any nutrients coming in. I'm not going to get any, any energy coming in from my it food. It will generally react like it thinks you're going to die. Yeah, exactly. So it panics. And then rather than burning fat, because it wants to keep that, because you're not getting the food coming in through, from your um, intake, it starts utilizing muscle for nutrient and energy. And keeps it and stores the fat, so it doesn't burn. It doesn't put it excess fat, but it doesn't burn it off. So it that's the thing, muscle. and this is one thing that people, a lot of people, don't understand. Is your body's a very, very complex, and intelligent, yeah. yeah, an intelligent um, organism. And that's the thing. So yeah, when you go and you do some um, some cardio, some exercise, your body doesn't just use stored fat as energy. It will obviously use stored um, carbohydrates, the glycogen, but it'll also yep. use um, your lean tissues as well, yeah. break that down, use the amino acids and transfer that into energy. So that's the thing. If you're putting yourself into this huge, huge stressful yeah. environment, it will just start sucking yeah. all of the, as getting as much energy in as it can from all different sources. So And, and the most nutritious sources rather than the, the slower sources. Yeah. So hence the fact it'll go into muscles and as you say, it'll go into glycogen and that stuff. So you'll get people who will go into... You know, and I've got clients who say the same thing to me when they when they when their when their weight loss starts to stall, they just think to themselves, "Oh, I'll eat less and I'll exercise more," and that's going to that's going to kickstart it. It doesn't. Yeah. It goes the opposite direction. Um, and you and your body starts as you just said. Then it'll start tapping into things like glycogen and amino acids, and rather than fat stores, because it's a quicker way. It's a quicker resource and it's a quicker way of getting an energy boost. So it taps into that and you get muscle depletion and that's where you get that skinny fat situation. Yes, you lose weight, but that's because you've lost muscle fluid because it's, it's, it's depleting the muscles of glycogen rather than burning fat. 
And so I guess a lot of this comes down to um, that sense of diminishing returns. Yeah. There's a certain amount that you can do that's going to be conducive for optimal... Well, do you know, I say optimal anything because you get this in training. Like, say I want to grow my biceps. Yeah. I can do certain amount that is going to stimulate them enough that will break them down and they will grow. Or I can just sit there and I can cane out a thousand reps. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it will burn and it will be fucking painful. But at the same time, I'm I'm not going to grow a whole lot more than if I just did, might say, four sets of 12 or, or 15 that stimulated them enough to break them down because there's only so much you can do and then it is literally a, a case of diminishing returns. Yeah. The same as like um, for long distance runners, you get what they call junk miles. Yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah, you can run so far, and it's like you say, it's going to have that. Um, it's going to initiate that physiological adaptation to make you fitter. But then, Usually, after you that, the, the you're just running. Like, you're just yeah. yeah. You're just running for the sake of running. You're yeah. not actually benefiting yourself. Correct. And you because your body taps it. It uses different different sources of. It uses. It starts using different systems. It'll go into your lymphatic system, or it'll go into your. Um, you, uh, I can't remember that. I've just had, I just had it then I've got a mental blank but there's different systems that your body uses to get energy um, and it's, it's about manipulating those systems correctly to your point to be optimal to get the best effect depending on what your goal is so if you're a long distance runner you're going to have an, you're going to probably ment- you're going to use your aerobic system more so than a power lifter or a bodybuilder who's going to use their anabolic system mm. to, to, to do what they want to do and achieve what they want to achieve. We're getting very technical here. <laughs> We've gone from setting goals and things to talking about anabolic systems and aerobic systems. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... I, I, and, but it comes back to what it does, you know, parallel back to what we're talking about is adaptability. Um, and again, it's a bit of a myth, an urban myth that you know, you've got to change your exercises up regularly to, to confuse the body and, and to stress it out and to, and to get progress. P90X. P90X. Change your, <laughs> change your program every week. Bullshit. Yeah. Because whilst there's adaption is one thing, consistency is even more important. And to your, you know, you think about um, a, you think about a cyclist, you know, and you've got, and again, you've got, and I'm thinking more about people who do sprint cycling. You know, they've got massive thighs. The reason they've got massive thighs is they do the same exercise, the same thing over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And therefore, the body is adapted to that and they build these, they've got these massive thighs that are stronger that can push them faster. You know, and I, I found this, I did a bit of an experiment. I read somewhere on one of the websites, a bit of bro science, but it was, it, well, I read into it and it seemed to work and I tried it where they talked about doing a, um, 100 rep set of a leg press um, as a warm up to their day's exercises. Oh, that's where you got it from. You love that. I loved <laughs> it. And so I did it and I thought, oh, let's give this a go. And obviously, you're not pushing 250, 300 kilograms. You're pushing 60. Oh, I was pushing 60 to 80. But I did 100 reps in one set without stopping. And that's the only leg exercise I did other than my, my leg sessions. Um, and my thighs changed completely because of this repetitiveness and this consistency my body had to adapt to it but if I did 100 leg presses one day and then did 100 leg extensions another day then did 100 squats another day then I did 100 lunges another day it wouldn't have worked but doing the same thing over and over and over again that repetition my body had to adapt to it and build and my legs grew from just doing that one exercise you know to the point when, when we locked down I think one of the things that helped me stay consistent is all I was using. I didn't have any. Uh, I hadn't. I bought. I didn't have any. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any resistance bands. I just had my TRX suspension system. So I designed a program that was. A, I called it the thousand rep challenge. So it was ten exercises, ten reps, ten sets, and it worked. We, we, it we made to, a big difference. We used to do that in the gym, like every like you just do. Um, Five supersets. Yeah, but it works. Ten sets to ten on all of them. On you know, and this is where things like German volume training comes in and, and all this sort of stuff. You know, it's going back to basics, just doing a lot of volume. And um, I guess one thing, pulling pulling all that together, though, is when you, you were talking about, so this whole peanut and the X and keeping the body guessing, when you actually look at the bread and butter of pretty much every single training program, they all have the same things. Yep. And it's always the big compound movements. 
So just obviously start like it's getting a bit conscious of time now. Starting just to pull it all together. So to really start to maximize your training at home, really focus on those the um, basics, the big basic, the big compound movements, which are your squats, your deadlifts, your presses, your pulls, your pull ups, those yep, sorts of things. Exactly. And then mix up the different. Um, forms of trying to get progressive overload so your things like your tempos your volume yep. your frequencies yep. and your rest and don't try to overcomplicate it by doing all these isolated moves and and, and you know crazy kind of weird exercises that's going to target one particular muscle group or one particular small muscle you know all the, the whole point of these compound these com- these big compound moves is using mul- and that's why it's called a compound move is using multiple muscle groups at the same time unless you really want to grow that one muscle like yeah. obviously, if you really want, if you really want to get bigger biceps, yeah. you're gonna to need to do some form of bicep curl at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah you, won't, you won't grow bicep. I mean, you will, but not as effectively if you're just doing pull ups. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So if you really want to stimulate, you really want to grow a particular muscle, do more but work just, on but that muscle. Give it one exercise though. Yeah, you don't need multiple stuff. So that's on that. Um, what other <laughs> things we're saying about goals and that we can let's just summarise. Well, flip, we'll flip it the other way. Around. So what's the, what's what's left then for you for the rest of the year, considering where we're at now, where we and where we've had to slow things down or change and adapt. So what's well, the my, future look like for the so next six months? So my goal is obviously depending on when we can kind of get back to living our real lives. But I guess if I'm just going to focus on my diet, my diet at the minute is still. I'm enjoying it because obviously I can eat more, I can actually consume more than I've ever done in my entire life. Um, and I'm enjoying it. So it's pretty much that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Maybe when the gym's open, I will start getting really focused on probably putting up on a bit of size. So I want to, quote unquote, I want to try to get bigger up until about January. And then so my birthday is on Saturday. So that'll be my 29th. So then for my 30th, I want to get in like phenomenal shape because all of my cuts have essentially been like quite fast. They've been like eight weeks like cuts. Whereas now, and I've never really gone into a position afterwards where I put on muscle. Mm. So I've always just had this sort of skinny, not skinny thing, I still look really like, like athletic, yeah. but quite slim and athletic. Whereas I want to get just a bit bigger, a bit stronger. So that when I do cut down, I still I look more masculine, like more masculine, a bit more muscular, yeah. Um, and just yeah, more athletic. That's kind of that is the only goal and my focus for my health and fitness. I think where I've just been so focused on performance for so long, I'm just quite enjoying just taking all that fucking. Um, what's it taking not the intensity don't, that's the wrong words but taking the stress out because yeah take the pressure off as a professional athlete like, like, it is just stressful because there's so much more that comes into your training than yeah. just you're training you're not training for fun you're training for ticket sales training for, yeah. like, and that's the thing I was, uh, I'm actually just training now because I want to train like if I wake up and I feel tired I'm like probably won't smash it today I'll do a certain small I'll try and I'll, I'll start something. working out yeah. like this morning started working out did about four or five sets of just um, like full body work and then I was like I'm pretty bollocks because yesterday I did smash it yesterday yeah. I did smash it and I was a bit like yeah um, and, recovery, so yeah. You know, and recovery and rest is needed That's recovery is when everything happens yeah exactly exactly um, what about yourself well you know I've still got the goal as I said so I've got the goal in to, to compete in September um, if that goes ahead, then post that, I'll just go back into the cycle that of you know the standard kind of bodybuilding cycle of, of bulk cut, bulk cut, bulk cut, and then planning again to go into to competing in the following year in a, in a different category maybe or a different weight class or a different a different federation or whatever, you know, because I've got a longer term goal, crazy as it sounds, as someone at the age of fifty one, um, is to get into classic physique, and so I've got to get bigger to do that. Um, but I'll do the I'll I'll do the the bolt cut bolt cut cycle um, over the next few years to do that. But I but I I mean I'm I'm looking forward to competing. You know I'm it's a bit scary. Um, but having done the photo shoot last year, you know I'm I'm a little bit prepared what it's going to be like mentally. There's okay. There's a big difference in standing on stage next to other guys and being compared versus standing in front of a camera where there's no one around you to compare against. But you know I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it for me. 
Yeah. You know, and I don't care what the other guys are doing. I can't, as I said, as we said earlier, we can't control what the hell, what they come in at. You can only control what you come in at. And if I if I do well, great, I'll do well. If I don't do well, I'll just do better next time. But that's it. And all you got to do is just focus on your own game yeah. and then just be happy. And this is one thing, actually, just, just a little finishing point was, I remember, because I get very neurotic and anal about a lot. Like, when I was training for a fight, my life would go on hold. I would not drink for eight weeks before a fight. I would never miss a training session. My diet would just become yeah. very meticulous. So I, I get really anal about stuff like that. And I just remember walking to the ring, like you stand there, the smoke goes off, you hear your tune drop, <laughs> yeah. they announce your name and you come out and there's no greater feeling than walking to the ring knowing that you have just done everything yep. you possibly can. It is just confidence inspiring. It's just, it fires you up knowing that. And so that's probably the biggest thing I can say to everyone is just know that you just perform for yourself. Yeah. That's probably the biggest and I think, thing. And I think it goes for everything. If you know you've done the best you possibly can and you brought the absolute best you can on the day, that's all you can do. But if you know that you've, 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 made, you've done shortcuts or you haven't given it your all, you're never going to have that satisfaction that feeling of going, yeah, I've done what I can. Yeah. And you have that, it'll be slightly guilty. And I'm the same. So from a comp point of view, you know, this is the goal for the next few months. I'll just do the best I possibly can. You know, considering we haven't got gyms and things, I've no idea when they reopen. Who knows if they're going to be even open before the comp comes around. So it'll be pretty impressive to be able to go and compete having not trained in the gym for six months. Yeah, and I mean, that I think is an accomplishment and I'm looking forward to that potential outcome. Um, but I just want to get on stage, A, to say that I've done it and proven it. Whether I get, you know, yes, there's a goal. There's a, we've got a goal. Myself and my coach have got a big goal to get me a placing that's going to give me a pro card. But I'm not going to be disappointed if under the circumstances we're in now without gyms and things that that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I just want to get on stage for the sake of doing it and say that I have done it. I want to do it for, you know, to help, to inspire other people. You know, I'm not suggesting other people my age go, go and compete, but I'm, it's more about inspiring people to, so, to go and give something a go and, take, and, and push themselves out of their boundaries and, and take some risks, um, put themselves out of their comfort zone and stretch themselves a little bit. It could be anything. You could be doing anything business-wise, you could be career-wise, education, relationships, travel, whatever. Um, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Set yourself a goal that's going to stretch you. You know, I've come from corporate world where we're constantly doing stretch targets and all this kind of stuff, so it's kind of normal. But to do that on a physical level, it's quite different. You know, I've never been a competitive sports person. Well, I've played competitive sports, yes, but not to that level, and certainly not as an individual. It's always been team. Um, so I'm really excited about that point of view, and I'm, 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 you know, I'm just going to go through the process. Trust the. Pro- I've got a fantastic coach who's who's. You know, he's been there and he's going through the same thing himself, you know, which is inspiring us also because he's trying to get his pro card in the IFBB and that's what he's he's shooting for this year. So whilst he's training him, me and his other clients, he's still going through that process himself with his own coach. You know, so the coach's coach. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's fucking awesome that we've all got, everyone's got these goals and aspirations and it's just inspiring to watch it happen. Good as well because that means you've got such a solid support structure which yeah. is fundamental to success because... When you're having your moments when, because like everyone will go through, you Absolutely. have moments you're like, oh, fuck, I'm, I can't do it. I can't it. do I can't this do. anymore, yeah. And it's good to have someone who's going through the same thing as you that yeah. can just go, just pull it out, man. You'll, 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 <laughs> exactly. you'll survive. Yeah, people have done it before. And this is why I always say to people, go, you know, go get help. doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve. You can never do it on your own. Generally speaking, again, no matter what your goal is, someone has tried to do the same thing before you. It's pretty, pretty low odds that you're the first person on the planet who's trying to do a particular thing. Yeah. Pretty low odds. So there's going to be someone out there who's done it before you, whether they've done it successfully or not, and whether you can do it better than them or not, irrelevant, but who has the experience and the knowledge and can give you some guidance on how to do it in the most efficient way. Um, and that goes for anything from, from, as I said, from business to fitness and sport to whatever. Um, you know, yeah, so I'm, I, you know, I am excited about, you know, yes, we've under <laughs> this whole lockdown has just turned the world on its head. Um, but I think, you know, that's I'm, it. I think I'm really excited to see what, we, what comes be, out of it. You've got to be positive. You've got to be excited because I think it's been fucking awesome, mate. Like talking to a lot of people and 
I think it's been fucking... It's actually been so good. Don't get me wrong, it's perfect time for me getting my puppy and getting my new, my new <laughs> flat. But yeah. then speaking to a lot of people, they're like, it's been amazing because everyone's now just being at home more. So I guess it's that sort of organic home units... Yeah, the family has got a bit so much. More. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's taking so much more attention. So people I mean, learn something about good themselves. And, and, and I think, think about even things like for the environment, like yeah, sure, pollution or yeah. that oh, sort massive. of shit, must be hugely down. So massively different. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think we've. Well, I got a bit pissed off with people, you know, at the beginning saying, "Oh, if you don't come out of this having learned something about yourself, then you then you're not human." I think it's the other way around. I think. Some people aren't going to cope with this, and I get that. And and it's and I'm not expecting everyone to come out of this whole situation better than they went in with. It's, it's going to affect. A, there's going to be some people who are going to struggle with this. Yeah. There's going to be businesses that are going to suffer. There's going to be businesses that are going to close and never reopen. There's going to be industry, whole industries massively impacted by this. There's no, let's not be crazy and think the world's just going to go back to normal. It's not. You know the the world economy is fucked. Um, you know there's all sorts of things going to take decades to fix and and, and start again. But as we said at the beginning, that's then about this reverse clause of going, okay, how far back do we have to go to where we have to start again and get it right the next time and get it better and protect ourselves. That yeah. If something like this ever happened again, what lessons have we learned? Yeah, exactly. And then I just think it's the same as everything I was saying earlier. Sometimes when you put, and I guess the world was, uh, not the world, but society was just put on that cross. And it's just about teaching yourself to fucking see the good side of life yeah exactly right, it's just the best way to do it isn't it because yeah there's no point in sitting there stressing about the economy because no. you, <laughs> you, you can't control it <laughs> impacts on that no. so, you know you've got to you've yeah. got to do you've got to deal with what you've got to deal with just get your stocks in now because <laughs> they're gonna rise yeah, yeah. I don't, I'd love to know what, what pro, like, don't buy toilet paper anymore that'll, that'll stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's gotta be yeah I mean I think it's just being clever with it not stressing about it Dealing with what you can control yourself. Um, don't and don't worry about the, what the guy next to you is doing. It's like I was just saying about competing on stage. You know, don't worry about what your neighbour's doing, or don't worry about what the the suburb next door is doing, or anything like that. Just worry about your own lifestyle and your own life and your, and your family and the people around you that you care about and you're protecting and, and looking after. That's the important stuff. Um, and and I say this, I say this to people all the time. It's not selfish to think about yourself and look after yourself in these situations because if you're no good and you're not well and you're unhealthy and unfit and not performing optimally, then you can't support other people. It's like they say, always put on your own mask first. Yes, always <laughs> before you're helping the youngsters. Exactly right. You so know, yeah, I like, guess on that know. bombshell, mate. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, exactly. Finish up, but yeah, I hope you all took something away from that. It's been, um, been an interesting little chat, but I think we should probably do this every like, do it like quarterly, every like yeah, three every months. months. See where we are, see. See where we are <laughs> in three months' time Hopefully after all this. Lockdown. Exactly. <laughs> good one. All right, mate, thanks for that. Yeah, anytime. And yeah, we'll catch up soon. Cool, buddy.